following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. Welcome to the Box Office 30 for May 1991. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you doing, sir? I'm well, thank you. And I don't know what movie we're talking about this month. <laughs> I mean, we've only been talking about it for like a while now and, and how much you hate it. Does that give you a, a clue into it? I I think... I think you, you were telling me how much you despised this movie. <laughs> I, I think based on our guest, I, I kind of recall... Isn't it What About Bob? That is correct. Uh, boo. All right. <laughs> Speaking of guests, um, as promised, we have the return of our very original guest, uh, my wife, Angie. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Oh, good to have you here. <laughs> so I realized that... Um, when we had you on on Ghost, first of all, you were only with us for the review section. You weren't on the box office thirty section. Um, that we we didn't do a like a like a real deep dive. You were just kind of there, and that was that was it. So since then, we've been treating our guests with a little bit more um, respect. Respect is a word. <laughs> I sure. thought I just blew it on the recall. <laughs> Um, I don't know. We're making this thing up as we go along. So uh, we have this new section called. Character development. So, Angie, why don't you give us your background and interest in movies? We didn't get to talk to you too much about this last time, so... What what is it that draws you into movies? What's what's your favorite sort of thing to watch? Sure. I have always loved comedies, but and I've also had a very dry, dark humor. And I think it's because from an early age, I was exposed to a lot of movies that I probably shouldn't have been exposed to. But I think that's what comes when you have a brother that's a lot older than you. Um, so my parents... They also exposed me to a lot of Coen Brothers early on. I saw a lot of things, you know, in the early 90s, early Coen Brothers. And I think that shaped a lot of my humor. But as well, and I think it's very relevant to the movie we're talking about tonight, a lot of Saturday Night Live. I watched a lot of SNL and just a lot of comedic 
type movies when I was younger. And I think that just really shaped my interest. So, Angie, tell us some of your like top or favorite movies from your formative years of the 90s. You know, funny enough, you guys have, you know, covered them or will be covering them. But, you know, definitely things like Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, this was certainly one of them. What about Bob? Um, Raising Arizona, which I think was an early 90s Coen Brothers. Um, I have to think of some others, but definitely as far from a comedy perspective, definitely those. Cool. Very cool. So. You know, we've been asking our guests some um, kind of fun secret questions that we, if I'm if I'm really telling the truth, I'm just usually making up on the spot. <laughs> so uh, last time when we had Luke on the podcast, we asked him if he could be like a 1990s cartoon character, who would he be? So because we're doing a comedy movie tonight, I'm going to ask you if you could pick a 1990s <laughs> movie comedy character, who would you pick? Oh gosh, on the spot here. Um, oh, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> what do you? What would you guys pick? Because I need a minute to think about that one. That's a hard 1990s. one. Nineteen nineties. Yeah, I'm like trying to. I mean, the funny thing is, I can immediately think of TV characters. Like I think of like people like Elaine Bennis on Seinfeld. Oh, I would definitely sure. think that would be fun to be her. No, we're not doing but... the Seinfeld hour here. This one over here can already go on it. <laughs> I told I Mike recently, I, I said to him, I was like, between the two of you, we could do a whole oh Seinfeld uh, show. I, I, think. I was interviewed for my high school newspaper as being a Seinfeld expert. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, uh, yeah. I'm, oh, gosh, you really put me on the spot. All right, well, I'll story. jump in. Yeah. Uh, I think one of my favorites, and it's coming up for us, is Topper Harley mm. from Hot Shots. That's a character you would want to be, or that you like. I love him, and I would, I would absolutely take that character. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, I guess if I wanted to be somebody, it probably would have been Ace Ventura. Oh, good one! That's a good one. You know, but if it was someone that I was probably most like, it was more like Jason Biggs. In, uh, in American <laughs> Pie, that's also fair. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my picks. Gosh, I don't. You know, I think one of my problems is like I'm trying to think of women in the '90s in movies, and I'm having a hard time thinking of a woman. Right? It's a lot of leading men during that time. Like I'm trying to. There's some good uh, female comedy out there during that time. I feel like. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Like I in the two thousands, there's a lot of stuff. I can't. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Oh, fail. Yeah. <laughs> so you really put me on the spot on that one. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the thing I have to say here is Angie is a listener of this show, so you might have seen this coming if you've been keeping I mean, up I with know. recent episodes. <laughs> there's got to be a Drew Barrymore movie in there that was a comedy or like a well, like was Wedding Singer from the night. See, I think that's what my problem is. Is I, I get 90s, confused. Sure. That's I, I, my problem. Is like I would like she was adorable in the Wedding Singer, but that's I think my problem is I think of things but I think they're early 2000s. Yeah. I, I can understand that. All right, so I mean, what about something about Mary in the 90s, that's, I think. That's late 90s also, yeah. Um, 98 98 is a good year. All right, so all right, so late 90s. All right. 
Yeah, Cameron Diaz. Probably anything Cameron Diaz in the late 90s, just to look like her. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Ooh. All right. So let's well, see. If, if, you know, if a... Mo- what was the question again, Pete? What was the question we asked? So again, uh, favorite or if you could be or pick a uh, top mm. 90s comedy um, person to be from a film character from a film. I've got a another question I could ask that maybe we could pick which one Pete likes the best. If you could pick a 90s comedy movie that you would want to be in that world, what would it be? Well, I feel like now I have to try and pick something different than uh, than what we've already established here, <laughs> because I think already the Hot Shots world is like a pretty amazing thing. I, I kind of like how um, zany all of that is. Um, what's another good one that I really like from the 90s? I mean, I think any of the Adam Sandler movies are very funny. Yeah, I, mean, I would have like, loved to be in like Wayne's World or like you know Billy Wayne's Ted's World. Yeah, cool. yeah I mean that's good. definitely yeah. fun. I mean, yeah, the Adam Sandler movies. Although, like, I mean, those are so centric around him. I don't know how much world around them there is. Come on, <laughs> we, we were kids of the ninety. Would you not want to be in Billy Madison in like that school? School, absolutely. That's what I would pick. You know, that or Wayne's World would be I want to be Chris Farley's bus driver in that one, I think. <laughs> Get on the bus! <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, that was a crash and burn yep. Q&A. <laughs> so, uh, let's move on to what are some of the most recent movies we've seen? So, Pete, I'll let you go first. Have you seen anything good recently? Let me pass it on to you. Have you seen anything at all? <laughs> Jeez, thanks for new, that. New or new to you? Well, I mean, we just watched The Trial of Chicago 7 on this That's true. That that's was true. good. I liked that. I saw that, too. I really liked it. That's good, because yeah. I didn't add I forgot to add that to my list, so I'm happy you brought that up. So tell us, what do you think about The Trial of Chicago 7? Well, I really liked it, and I had to force you to watch it. So. You didn't have to force me to <laughs> no, watch it. No, but I had, I had to sell, I literally had to sell him on it because he's, you know, it's like he said, he goes, what have you seen? And the reason he says that is because I never no, get to watch let's it. let's back up. What, what she would have to force me to watch is the Bridgertons of the world or like the well, Downton I, Abbey I movie or well, things like that. that, that yes, but those are like... Like when when we get talking about these things, it's always prefaced with like, I know I have movies I want to watch, but I'm not sure that you want to watch them. <laughs> and I, and then like she said, like, well, what about this um, trial of Chicago Seven? I said, oh, that's one I've I got in my list, and I've been actually wanting to watch. No, yes, like <laughs> <laughs> there was no there was no response the first time. <laughs> oh boy! All right, we'll we'll agree. Well, I'm gonna pull a, yeah. a mic on you. Right, we'll agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I thought the cast rocked, and I thought for once it wasn't a boring non... I mean, it was a lot of talking, but it needs to be. And I think Aaron Sorkin is better in movies than TV. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. think so, too. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with Aaron Sorkin stuff. And I, the funny part with me when we started watching this is I was struggling um, in the first part of the movie to kind of 100% keep up with what was going on. And I... Feel like and and Angel probably say it's like oh you were on your iPad, but I feel like it's because I really wasn't familiar with the actual story of yeah. this in real life, and because of that they sort of just throw you right into it, 
And if you have passing knowledge of what's going on, I think it makes it easier to get into. I didn't quite understand it at first. Once it gets rolling and you kind of pick up who all the different people are and what their motivations are, then it was really good and I was very into it. But it, it took me a little bit in the beginning to actually kind of get up to speed with what was happening. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought all the acting was really on point. I thought Sasha Baron Cohen was like unrecognizable in a lot of the movie. Other, you know, <laughs> um, I thought uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was really terrific playing this, you know, relatively stiff character and the moment michael keaton came on screen i was like yes <laughs> here we go the man has like two scenes in the whole movie and he steals the show in those two scenes um you know i i really really was like it was frank langella to play the the judge right yes Oh, he was so hateable in that movie. Like he was just so <laughs> hateable. Amazing. He's up there too in age. I had to look yeah. him up. The man's won like multiple Tonys, but he's in his eighties. Yeah, and he looks good. Yeah, he's acting is great. Yeah, I mean it's kind of because I know you guys have been talking. You certainly talked about Anthony Hopkins earlier, but like you think about that, he just took the Oscar and how old Franklin. I mean, like he still got it. Yeah, you know it was. I mean, they were all great. Um What's his name? Eddie Redmayne. I I can usually take or leave him, but I thought he was really good in this movie. Um, I almost feel like at times they didn't give him enough to do. And Sasha Baron Cohen kind of overshadowed him and like stole the scenes from him that were supposed to be like important for him, which I thought was the only thing that I thought was strange. Well, you know, he's you know who he um kind of what his uh, fun little um, cameo of Abby Hoffman is in Forrest Gump, right? You know, he's the guy in the American flag to like mm -hmm. use the F word. So he's yeah. kind of the bigger character of all yeah. of them. So I think that's why he was kind of the lead in versus Eddie Redmayne. I love it. Yeah. And I think the other mm -hmm. thing, too, is that at points, at least, because I don't think I realized it quite at first, really, it's Sasha Baron's character that's telling mm -hmm. the story. You know, it's, right. he's sort of they kind of cut to sections where he's on stage sort of talking about what had happened, mm -hmm. which is interesting because it's it's not really how they bookend the entire movie. Like, I don't necessarily remember the movie starting off with him doing that. And then the movie sort of ends with just like, you know, them zooming out of like the courtroom and it sort of is talking about what happened to all the people. So they didn't really end it with it there either. But it is interesting that they used that as like a sort of device in several points in the movie to get across that he was sort of telling the story of it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, and it's I, almost I, like in a way he's narrating portions. I also really enjoyed letting being told what happened to all of them afterwards. I thought it was very, very interesting. And I was like, a lot of them had really tragic ends to their to their lives. Yeah, although the funny part was for how intense that uh, that whole court case was. It, it was really very anticlimactic. Yeah. The fallout from it. Everything just kind of got thrown out and nothing really came of most of it. Yeah. I think really just the judge got it the worst. I mean, he got really censured pretty bad, which he deserved. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw another movie and totally, totally different than the Chicago 7. I saw Thunder Force. Oh. <laughs> This is that Melissa this, McCarthy. This is a movie that I perpetually pass in my queue lately. <laughs> so this is that uh, Melissa McCarthy, yes. um, Octavia Spencer movie, and it's really fun. It's really it? fun. 
it's like there are points of the movie where they are it's so dumb that you're like <laughs> how did this movie get made but then there are other parts that are just very hilarious and they play off of a lot of really cheesy like superhero tropes and yeah. um i don't want to give too much of a way but jason bateman is in it and his scenes with melissa mccarthy are so funny and it's it's truly your guy's kind of humor. It's super bizarre. <laughs> well, the funny part is, is like I was watching the trailer for it the other day and I was like, yep, this is a Melissa McCarthy movie where Melissa McCarthy's doing the Melissa McCarthy thing, you know, yeah. like just now with like super strength, you know, it's just yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, like, like I said, it's go into it knowing it is a mindless dumb movie but there's just certain things about it that are really funny the acting is really hilarious uh bobby uh cannavale is one of is the villain in the movie oh that's funny and he's really really funny at times he kind of looks like andrew cuomo and uh um yeah like octavia spencer probably has the least to do in the movie but that's a shame but but uh it's one of those things where you're just like, how did she ever get her to agree to do this movie? Because <laughs> it's so bananas. But it was pretty fun. I mean, like, it's a dumb, mindless movie. If you want something to put on and just have a laugh and you're like, wow, how did this get all the money that it did to make to, to make this film? So I've seen a bizarre amount of movies this past month, forgetting the fact that I, I forgot to list that one on my list here. But I wrote down a few of them. And I won't spend any great amount of time on any of them because, like I said, it is a bit of a list. Um, but I saw the last blockbuster, which was good, worth seeing, good documentary, very nostalgic. Uh, King of Staten Island, which was super fun. Um, really? I, I heard it was a dumpster fire. I actually really liked it. Um, you know, uh, the funny part, uh, what's his face that... Um, Directed uh, This Is 40 and um, Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. I don't know why I was blanking on his name. He uh, he directed this. And I've been on a cold streak with him lately um, with some of his newer stuff. And I thought this was a pretty good return to form for him. Um, and I liked Pete Davidson. I liked Bill Burr. Um, I think they did a really good job. Um, so I, I think that one was definitely worth watching. Um, I saw Mortal Kombat. That was not worth watching. <laughs> I, I, I heard it was bad. I heard it was real. Yeah, I, I was hope. I mean, as as video game movies go, you can't hope for too much because they're always not great. But like if I had to throw this in the ring with the 90s one, I would take watching the 90s one again over this. Like, really? This was a good update as far as like graphics and things go. But like the story was just garbage. And I, you know, I think you saw that meme that I posted where it was like, oh, the actor who played Kano's back uh, has been injured because he had to carry the entire film. Yeah, that was super accurate. <laughs> like it, like him. He was so much fun every time he was on screen and the whole rest of it was just meh. It's oh, um, a bummer. A little bit of an older one I saw, but um, I've been really wanting to watch and, and finally got around to it was Guns Akimbo. Do you know this movie? No. So this is um, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter. You might have seen oh, the things where he's got the guns like strapped like, to him. They like like bolted to his hands or something like that. Yes, yeah. It's it's got a really weird um, sort of plot involving um, this kind of dark web 
um, YouTube sort of thing where these producers, I mean, it's very almost like the, like the running man sort of thing. Like they grab like random people and essentially make them fight to the death on like this, like dark web channel that everybody's watching. Um, And he's like, he like prides himself on being an internet troll and he's trolling the people on this thing. And then he gets kidnapped and the gun strapped to him and he has to, to, you know, try and survive and everything. But I thought that it was actually really funny. And it's, it's very funny because I've been watching so much of the Harry Potter movies recently (laughs) with Zoe, because I've been reading the books and every time we finish a book, we watch the corresponding movie. So it's like seeing him as like wee little Harry Potter versus like just this wacky character that he's playing in this movie, um, quite a bit different. And he had that one other movie that I keep telling you that I'm perpetually wanting to watch. I can't think of the name of it where he's like a corpse, but he can like talk and he's got like a friend and they're on an island. Really bizarre movie, but I've been really wanting to watch it. So I might have to watch that and come back and uh, and report. I guess when you got that Harry Potter movie, you don't care what you do afterwards because it's all gravy after that, you know? It's exactly. Like, it's, on the, uh, on the children's that- front of things, uh, for those of you who are parents out there, uh, I can recommend both The Mitchells versus The Machines and Over the Moon, which are two um, recent uh, films that dropped on Netflix and maybe they're both Netflix. I don't know. Maybe one of them was Prime. I forget. Um, but those are both uh, are really good. The kids got a real kick out of them, too. So lots of movies this month. <laughs> yeah. uh, not necessarily a movie, but a sequel to a series of movies is the Mighty Ducks uh, Game Changers show. And I love it. The kids like it. Dory likes it. It's a lot of fun. It's a really yeah. cute show. We're and a little behind, but we've been enjoying that too. It's got some good, like, nostalgia elements for those of us kids who saw the original Mighty Ducks movies and stuff like that. You're like, oh, it's getting me at the heartstrings, baby, but it's still <laughs> funny and good. It's a good show. It's cute. So, all right. Well, speaking about nostalgia, let's take a look at our box office 30. All right, so we're coming in on May 1991. Um, I'm really excited. This is a great month. Um, This has got a list that is absolutely filled with recognizable films for once. I feel like we've been struggling the past few months with like, oh, yeah, I think I know that one. I think I know that one. This one's got some names that folks will recognize. So I'm I'm really excited about that. (laughs) I find it so funny that in the show notes, you tell me, click the link to open this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i need to be spoon fed the information folks i literally yeah i don't know why i have that there <laughs> because i put other links and i don't put that with them uh, i don't know um uh, i think i put that there as a reminder to me to, to turn it into a link because otherwise it doesn't so I, I have to start off by saying though i'm shocked that this particular movie in comparison to some movies that it's competing against is the number one movie this month. Well, let's talk about that because uh, what I was going to say here is that we have a weird month. Like I just mentioned, it's got a lot of movies in it. As a matter of fact, our list might be the longest it's ever been. We're at 47 movies on the list this month. Um, And out of that, 24 of those are brand new releases in May. 
Um, so what about Bob? Yes. So our top film from May is what about Bob? It, but it only earns $26 million, which is usually not enough to see your way to the top of the, the list in our show here. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if we have something where there's like too many movies out and available, not to mention the stuff that was still available in April. That's kind of diluting the box office here to the point that we end up with this one at the top. Um, it does go on to grow 63.7 million domestically, 35 million budget, which I was a little surprised by. Seems high for me um, for what I assume this movie to be. But again, Bill Murray is probably already commanding and maybe Richard Dreyfus a pretty big uh, chunk of change. So uh, that might be where some of that's going. And this had a May 17th release date. So it's interesting because, again, $26 million, but this is releasing after the halfway point in the month. So not only does it take the top spot, it does it with only half the month available to it. So, yeah, I don't know. Kind of surprising. I mean, I don't I mean, maybe you can speak to this. You say that this was like a, a bit of a movie that you loved um, when you were younger. I mean, do you remember this being a big movie at the time? I think it was. Well, I think Bill Murray was pretty big at the time and also i think it was a movie if you look at this list that parents and like our parents age would go see that maybe if they weren't into an action movie like backdraft they weren't in the mood for madonna and like i think i think if you look at the list like what's the one movie on here that you would think both of your parents would go see yeah it's probably what about bob they know they our parents love richard dreyfus <laughs> <laughs> and they like bill murray it's I think that's part of the reason, and it's somewhat kid friendly. I don't remember what the rating is on this, but if it was, I think, I think it's PG thirteen. I would think so. So you could bring your kid, like your teenage kid, if they were like me with an off sense of humor. Fair enough. That's a good point. (laughs) I think Backdraft kind of suffers from the fact that it came out probably close to Memorial Day weekend, and and what about Bob had like a weekend prior lead in? You know, it's right after Mother's Day. You know. You know, FX two comes out on Mother's Day weekend. It's it's a weird May is a weird month back then, where most blockbusters weren't coming out until June. Um, you know, I think that's probably what it was. That just you know the other movies, though they're significant names, like they probably were subject to the holiday and you know Memorial Day and so on and so forth. Now, see, for me, the the number two movie this month is Backdraft. Um, And that one I remember from my childhood. Now, I don't necessarily remember myself watching it, but I remember my parents watching it. I remember seeing it like my dad was a firefighter. Yeah, Yeah, my dad was a firefighter. And and so, like, they, you know, my mom probably picked this up at like a Caldor and brought it home and stuck it in the VHS for him to watch or something like that. And I remember them liking it. And I remember people talking about it at the time. Um, and I, it's such a funny thing for me for, for my recollection, because I'm like, Oh, what's backdraft. And like, my dad is like, Oh, well, a backdraft is when like, you know, like a certain amount of like, uh, oxygen enters the room and it explodes back or whatever the hell it is. I don't remember anymore, but you know, I mean like, isn't this like a Kurt Russell? Movie? Well, Kurt Russell dies in like the first four seconds of the movie. And, Spoilers. and, and, and <laughs> essentially, essentially it's like a Billy Baldwin movie. 
Nice. Right. Yeah, he, he's well. Well, th- then doesn't that answer why this is number right. two? <laughs> and at one point, he has the number two Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember on he at one point in the movie, he has sex on top of a moving fire truck with the with the female lead in the movie. Oh, wow! So no wonder I wasn't watching this at that <laughs> it's age. A Ron Howard film. <laughs> So I made a note here before we head down the rest of the way down the list, because I know we've been really focusing on the movies of the month, but I I had to bring this up. So in third, jumping up from way down number 18 on last month's list, and we talked about this movie at the 18 spot last month, is the Sylvester Stallone movie Oscar. Now, which in fairness, it did come out on April 26th. But somehow I still didn't see this particular film jumping so high this month. (laughs) It's an awful awful movie. It is. Yeah, I'm really embarrassed to say that I've seen that movie. (laughs) This and uh, Stop My Mom Will Shoot are probably his most horrible movies, (laughs) for sure. Um, So I feel like as a new point here in the show, and I'm going to officially keep doing this because I feel like we've been quasi-mentioning this, is bringing up the previous top featured movies fall off. Um, And I thought it was interesting this month because our April featured film, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, fell way down the list to number 16. So we almost had like a reversal here between um, Oscar and TMNT 2. Not quite, but, you know, within a few of each other there. Um, Why do you think the big fall off here? I mean, you know, summer, you know, movie, kids are getting out of school. Did they? It was just like bam, really took over April, but they had no steam to keep going. I mean, it came out in March, so you're talking about it had five weeks of lead up, and you know a lot of different movies came out after that. And also, you got to remember May is a funny time because you know kids are gearing up for finals, and you know the end of the school year. It's getting warm out. They're not necessarily wanting to go to the movie theaters. You know, they weren't like uh, you know. Hiding in the dark like we were, you know. <laughs> they were playing sports. How many how many like little like teenage mutant ninja turtle aged kids do you think are really studying up for finals in a big bad way? I don't know, man. I'm just I'm I'm trying to rationalize the irrational thirty years later. I'm trying to think when I was eight how many finals I had that year. But you know, they probably just got kicked out of the theater. I mean, think about backdraft was probably on a lot of yeah. Yeah, Screens. I mean, like, look at the top of this list. Yeah. You got, you know, what about Bob? Backdrafts on a lot of screens. FX2 is a lot on a lot of screens. You got another, you know, Steven Seagal movie and 2,000 screens. Like, <laughs> they just couldn't get that thing out enough. Uh, you know, One Good Cop is, an, is on a lot of screens, and that's a good movie. Toy Soldiers is a good movie. Well, so let's, because you're listing some of these ones, let's, let's take a look down the list here. Because one of them that you've casually mentioned a few times now is FX2. Do you know this movie? Yes, of course. Was it? <laughs> of course. First of all, like when I was going through this list here tonight, I see this movie, F slash X2. And my immediate reaction was, oh, there was an FX1? Yeah. <laughs> And and so for those who who maybe like myself, not like Michael, uh, are unfamiliar with this, I had to look it up. So I brought it up on Wikipedia, and this is FX2, in parentheses, The Deadly Art of Illusion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
This is a 1991 American action thriller film directed by Richard Franklin and starring Brian Brown and Brian Dennehy. That's an awful lot of Brian's, if you ask me. And this is a sequel to the 1986 film yeah, FX. It's an awesome movie. I I guess I mean like so I mean I started reading a little bit about the plot for this and it looks like um they stole from Mysterio in the Spider-Man comics they've got somebody who's a movie FX guy and his girlfriend's ex-husband is a cop and they're trying to catch some killer so they need to get this special effects guy to make it like a hot models in a shower and then when the guy goes to kill her they're gonna swap her out for the cop who's gonna surprise him i mean like jesus h christ what a dumb plot it, <laughs> that's only like the first it's, it's more to it than that so basically uh <laughs> is it more, is it? <laughs> the, so, so brian brown does all these cool things with visual effects and you know you know, practical effects and everything. He blows up a lot of stuff and they like simulate all this crazy <laughs> stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun. I love this movie. I love the first movie too. It's just, it's cool. And who doesn't like Brian Dennehy for God's sakes? He's fantastic. <laughs> well, you had me at Brian yeah, Dennehy. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. He plays the grizzled cop, you know, like the, he just, he plays that guy. And, you know, Brian Brown is just like, British kind of Australian kind of sounding guy, but he's so cool and they're just so funny. It's a good movie. It's a very it's a you should you would like it. I can't you don't know that. I'm gonna have to go back and look these up. Uh do you know if the first movie is directly related yeah, to the second? Is it same, same actors, character? same characters. Yeah, it's it's like so this is like, like the diehard of like instead of being a cop, you're a special effects no, artist. It's, he's it's like more, the special effects artist who's in the the right place at the wrong time it's, it's more in the vein of like beverly hills cop and 48 hours and another 48 hours if you think about it like that okay. you know that's the kind of genre i would say all right well i'll have to look that one up you've got my uh, interest peaked now um number five on our list is a movie called switch is this one one you're familiar uh, yes, with yes i know this one is it is, 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 is a chevy chase film where he's some no no it's jimmy smith's it's not chevy chase i thought it was a chevy chase movie. no 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 that's no this is jimmy smith's and ellen barkin and what was so funny is i was going through the list and I saw the name and I was like, that seems familiar. And then I looked it up and saw the poster. I was like, that's very familiar. This is a movie that I definitely saw, yeah, when I was younger. And I probably shouldn't have. It was probably above my uh, age level. But um, it's it, very through the 30-year prism, non, <laughs> you know, like, non-correct. I mean, the whole point of this is that there's like this like real womanizer guy who dies, one of his former lovers, like, kills him. Um, and then he comes back as a woman. And then he's having to, like, go through all the stuff that he's usually um, put through. Um, and it had this very, like, I mean, <laughs> the poster is, again, what so dragged me into it. And it so gave me a flashback of my childhood, where it's like the two of them are on, like, this, like, gigantic pistol <laughs> And um, like Ellen Barkin's hanging off it and she's in like a business suit. I think when he comes back, he comes back in his clothes. But as this woman. Wait, wait. All you need to do is read the tagline on this poster. Please, to sum this please. up. 
Steve and Walter used to have a preference for blondes. Then Steve was murdered and came back as one. Will being a woman make him a better man? <laughs> so, like, again, that, there, is, there is a Chevy Chase movie, and I'm blanking on what it's called, that's in the same sort of vein where he... Is it Fletch? Comes back as... Is it Fletch? Fletch is like, isn't he like a detective or that's something? That's what I thought that? this was. No. No. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah no i'm like i recognize this i think we spent enough time yeah on. yeah probably <laughs> it's got you now though doesn't it, it does it really does but um anyway so moving down the list you have toy soldiers right in number 10 and we talked about that we last did month. yes okay <laughs> I need to put in a sound effect because we were starting to do like the Pee Wee Herman thing whenever I had like a word you didn't know. Now I need to come up with a new sound effect for every time you bring up a movie that we talked at length about the previous <laughs> month. So let me so let me steer okay. us anyway. back off that then. So so moving down this list, which I've provided for you in our notes. Yeah. So, so the next <laughs> we have one good cop at number nine. I love that movie. <laughs> do you want to take it from sure. there? I mean, it's Michael Keaton. What more do you need to say? He plays a, a New York City detective uh, in the struggle for justice while taking care of his late partner's uh, three little girls. It's like the dark drama version of Three Men and Little Lady, but it's three little ladies and a man. I don't know. Uh, or Mr. Mom, maybe? I don't, I don't know. know. It's, you know, but anything with Michael Keaton is great. This is like, the antithesis of um, that other movie that he's in, Pacific Heights. <laughs> Essentially. Yes. Um, Number 11 um, I we have here is called A Rage in Harlem. And I don't personally know this movie, but I was taking a look at it. And one of the things I come away with is it's got an amazing cast. It's got Forrest Whitaker. It's got Danny Glover. I mean, it's got like a, just like a lot of really good people in it. <laughs> I'm like... I don't, it's kind of rated ho-hum on like IMDb, uh, like floating around kind of like a six out of 10. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, 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 I'm kind of like interested just based on some of those people. Like I'll watch anything with Forrest Whitaker yeah. in it. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm most curious to go back and give that one a try as well. Yeah, that to the list of movies we'll never watch is on our list of things we'd have to go back and watch. <laughs> Yes. Now you brought this one up, uh, Madonna, Truth or Dare, number twelve. Is this um, something you're familiar it's a with? Documentary. Well, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen. It. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have much. There's not much to comment on. It is what it is, and I'm actually. I'm. What I'm shocked about is that it is that high on the list. When I see what's a couple down from, I mean, some of the other things on the list. But well, I, it is. It's yeah, funny for I'm me. Surprised. I mean, like, maybe you two remember something like this better than me, but like, when did the to theaters documentary of like a music star going on tour start it, happening? Is that a common thing? This might have been probably one of the first, if not the first. Yeah. But Madonna was massive. You don't like, we forget because we were only nine or 10 years old. Like she was gigantic. Like she take Katy Perry and oh, well, this is why I want to make the comparison, right? Because like Katy Perry, um, Britney Taylor Spears, Swift, um, Taylor Swift, every one of them 
con- like constantly right now. Like every time they do a tour, there's like a movie theater documentary about it shortly thereafter. Like I keep seeing them all the time. Um, but like it kind of struck me a little odd with this. I was like, I just didn't realize people were doing that already. I, back I think bet- besides Madonna, the, there may have been like the Who, maybe. Well, I was going to say, like, the like, Beatles. The Beatles I, I have to figure there's like various documentaries. Pink Floyd, Rolling Stone, but, like, yeah. of a pop star? This might have been the first of, like, a huge, massive pop star because there was nobody like Madonna at that time, you know, ever. Like, she was the biggest name in well, the world. I know we have a lot of um, very in-tune retro listeners to this show, so if anybody does know of any other kind of interesting pop star, rock star, whatever sort of related documentaries that you can remember Steven, popping up in theaters. Steven, like we're this. talking to you. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let us know. I, I'd be really curious to sort of know some other ones that were out there at this point in time. The only other one I can think of is Gimme Shelter. And I think that was in the 90s, yeah. right? The Stones. Yeah, but it may have been even that after was this. Other- I mean. Yeah. And. All right, so rolling on down our list here, number 13, Hudson Hawk. Uh, where do you fall on this? I know you're a big Bruce Willis guy. A lot of people dump on this movie because it's so not a normal Bruce Willis movie of the time, but it's very funny. It's a good movie. It's a good like dark comedy or black comedy. Um, what's his name is in it? Isn't Danny Aiello in this movie too or something like that? Like he plays the villain. Maybe, yeah. I, I have a hard time remembering yeah. a lot of the cast, but I do fondly remember this. I didn't ever see this until college. Um, a couple of roommates, friends were showing this and I sat down to watch it and I actually really enjoyed it's it. A, um, so I don't know how I missed it from far, you know, way back. It's a back. fun movie. Like he swings on like a grappling gun and he wears a cool hat. I mean, like, <laughs> come on, who cares? It's mindless. Yeah, he's like a, kind of like a knockoff Dick Tracy yeah. is sort of the thing. Hudson Hawk. He had a cool haircut too. <laughs> yes. All right, now this one really surprised me because this is a movie that I consider to be a huge, at least cult movie. It's something that's so, so referenced throughout culture from from this point on in time. Number 15 on our list is Thelma and Louise. How did this movie end up so far down this list? I, I th- Distribution. I, I can tell you, I know in Dallas, it was on very I mean, look at it. It's, and it's that, only on eleven hundred yeah. screens worldwide, and it came out again the same weekend as Backdraft. You're like, hmm, two ladies driving across the country together, or <laughs> buildings burning down. <laughs> Come on. But let's, but again, let's go back to what we were sort of saying at the beginning of this, and we were talking about like which movie do you think would succeed at the top? What about Bob? You know, based on like, oh, which one your parents might go to, or whatever. But what would you say, looking out of this list, is probably the most iconic film? It has it to has be to this. be this by far. I mean, it's it's memed and gift to this day. You know, we mentioned earlier Wayne's World references it in the movie. Yep. Like, you know, yep. they do it in Scooby Doo <laughs> things as well. <laughs> like, there's a gazillion references to this movie. I mean, I feel like it's in every Oscar sizzle reel too. I mean, it's like this movie. This like, also sparked the career of, of Brad Pitt. It? Like this was where Brad yeah. Pitt first appeared on TV or in yeah. film. Um, it's it's a massive movie. Uh, did it win any awards? Did they win anything for this movie? I think it was nominated. I don't know that it yeah, won. I don't know if it won either. But I'm pretty sure it was nominated. I, I mean, it, yeah, it certainly doesn't do Best Picture because we've already established yeah. that one for um, Silence right. of the Lambs. Um, but 
again, like even just on that distribution front, like isn't that surprising that this would be such a low distribution? I mean, like it seems like with the star power in this movie and the critical acclaim that it picks up that they would push it to more screens, that they would get this movie out there more. I I honestly, and I'm going to say this, you know, I think it's because of, you know, it's led by two women. And back then, most of the studios were run by men. Most of the advertising agencies were run by men. And it was probably just they figured this movie about two girls, you know, driving across the country is not going to be as sellable, even though these are two iconic actors like, you know, Gina Davis alone. You just, you know, she's amazing. And then Susan Sarandon, like, come on, they're incredible. But I think it was probably because of gender discrimination, maybe at the time. They just didn't think it was going to do as well as a movie about fires, you know? <laughs> or a guy named yeah. Bob. <laughs> uh, well, heading through the rest of this list, there's definitely some more that are um, somewhat notable here. A lot of the rest of this is trash. So I'm just going to run through this a little quick and then we can jump Hold back up. So. Yeah, go. So for it. it was nominated for best screenplay. They both were nominated for best actress in this movie, um, and it won for best screenplay. It's a fun fact. So, okay, so that'll be that'll be the direct screenplay because I think we mentioned that adapted was, was, was the land, silence. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. All right, so running down the list here, number eighteen, we've got only the lonely. We've got Stone Cold. We've got Drop Dead Fred. Now, Drop Dead Fred was one I'm going to circle back on. This was a movie I liked when I was younger. Number 22, though, Mannequin on the move. (laughs) All right, now you're like, you know, like raising your hand like crazy here. Is this one that you're familiar with? You like this one? How are you not familiar with the sequel to Mannequin? I mean, like, how am I familiar with Mannequin? What are you talking about? Angie, you know Mannequin, the original one? I've heard of it but i've never seen so the original one is starring um what's her name from sex in the city um oh kim is this a kim cattrall original one is yes the sequel the sequel is not kim cattrall it's christy swanson and uh yeah yeah (laughs) i had to look this one up the only Um, recurring character from the first one i believe is uh the the guy that plays Hollywood, um, what's his name? Um uh, Taylor, I think his name is from Designing Women. But uh but yeah, it's a it's a bad sequel to uh the original <laughs> movie, which is called Mannequin. We're basically the, I mean, by I'm, the way, the runtime on this is ninety-five yeah. minutes. Even the editor said I give up. Yeah. So <laughs> I could yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what the first oh, one was about. You, Maybe buckle up, buckle up for this. All right, all right go for so it. <laughs> the first one, Kim Cattrall is a like Egyptian princess that gets like you know, uh, because of course she is. Kim Cattrall looks definitely like an Egyptian princess. Gets some sort of like spell casted on her. And she's sort of like frozen in this mummy or like mannequin shape. Maybe she's a early European transplant. But it's but somehow, some way, like uh, fast forward, you know, a thousand plus years, and this guy who works in like a basically like a Macy's or like Harold Square Macy's, 
puts the mannequin back together and it, she comes to life at night. Nice. Well, this movie is essentially the same then because essentially to, to really quickly try and sum up the plot of this one is that there's a peasant girl named Jessie who got enchanted by an evil sorcerer's magic necklace, <laughs> which made her into a mannequin. And somehow she ends up in a department store in Philadelphia and is freed by the main guy who's an employee of this department store. And whenever he takes off her necklace, she becomes comes back to life. And only the descendant of her true love could take off the necklace. So she ends up with this guy who's the descendant of her original love, which is like kind of weird. And they're being harassed by the bad guy who is the descendant of the original evil sorcerer wizard. So <laughs> I don't know. These movies are like, holy cow. You want to go on that one a little bit um, on the, the wacky tobacco front, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but I've, I've, I've seen both of these movies and I've seen them both more than one time. <laughs> well, while we're on other weird movies, cause I did, I did pass it by, but I'll come back to it uh, is drop dead. Fred, either of you drop dead Fred Boo. people. Boo. 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 All right. Boo. Well, I think a lot of people are boo, but this is one that used to be on Pix 11 all the time. And I got a kick out of this. Um, I don't think I had the appreciation when I was younger for Phoebe Cates as much, but um, I can't think of the guy's name who's in it. I have it here. I could probably. Isn't really Fred sure. like her imaginary friend? Rick Myel. Fred like her imaginary friend that's sort of like still comes yeah, back Yeah. So when she's adult. a little girl, she has this imaginary friend. And he causes a lot of chaos and stuff. And then when she's older, he comes back and like only she can see him and, and everything like that. I don't know. This was a really weird movie, but I got a kick out of it um, when I was young. And um, the funny thing is, I remember reading at one point that this was supposed to be a Tim Burton movie. Um, and I think um, Robin Williams was supposed to play the Fred character. And both of them turned it down. <laughs> so maybe that tells you everything you need to know about Drop Dead Fred. But I have um, some warm reminiscence <laughs> for for Drop Dead Fred. I can't be the only one out there. <laughs> you may be. <laughs> you may. Yes. <laughs> okay. Running down the rest of this list here, because like I said, it is a big one. This is one of our biggest box office 30 sections in a minute. We have Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, Soap Dish, Rich Girl, Sweet Talker, The Ballad of the Sad Cafe, Straight Out of Brooklyn, Auntie Danielle, An Angel at My Table, Opening Night, Truly Madly Deeply, and finally, at the very butt end of the list, number 47, Everybody's Fine, which, guess what, is our monthly Miramax film. <laughs> I do remember Truly Madly Deeply, though. I've actually seen this yeah. I looked that one up. So that's a British transplant. That's a, a British film that came out a year previous uh, in the UK and it, it came over stateside in 91. So that's why it lands on our list. This And month. Alan Rickman's in it. So it can't be all bad. <laughs> it can't be. all. Yes. Yeah. No, I don't think so. But it, again, probably at this point in time, much more so than in current yeah. times, anything that was coming over from the UK, like nobody was seeing yeah. it. It was like art house. It was it was not going it, anywhere. It was not so love action. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the it, big love actually fan. <laughs> Come on, who isn't? That's for sure. Love actually. Speak so confidently. It's the greatest film ever. 
I like Love Actually. It's a masterpiece. Come on, there's so many great actors in that movie, and it's and it's copied so many times, like that, you know, Valentine's Day movie or like New Year's Eve. They're all parodies. None of what you're saying means it's any good. Come on, you don't like Love Actually when when you know Rick Grimes comes to the girl's house with the cards and he's dropping the cards and telling her that he loves her. Come on, get. I like. I like the meme of that. <laughs> I like when people like change it to other things. <laughs> good boy. It's so good. It's a- that's that's a John Cusack ripoff, oh, if you yes, ask me. Yes, it <laughs> is. I couldn't get him for that yes, movie. So they just said, all right, well, who do we got here? Oh, this guy's nobody well, yet. There's a reason for that. <laughs> you tell me you don't like Love Actually. We'll sit down together. I don't think I've seen Love Actually, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't you. know what you're talking about. It's great. It's a great movie. Kills you every okay. <laughs> this Christmas we're watching it on your birthday. I promise you this. Is that what we're doing? Okay, we'll see. <laughs> I I wasn't so sure. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Mike and I have a have a tradition of um, passing back and forth each other um, gifts, you know, as friends do. But specifically in this one gift bag. We've well, I mean, we actually updated the gift bag at a point, but we have this gift bag that we keep transporting back and forth to each other's homes. I'm expecting a copy of I Love, Love actually, actually in the gift bag. Doubt, I'm gonna order on Amazon tonight. I'm gonna order you the screenplay nice. as well, so you have it to read. <laughs> nice. You're welcome. Oh, all right. <laughs> Let's jump into our next segment, which is of course is our recall for what about Bob? Okay, what about Bob? Since you hate this so much, <laughs> would you like to take us through the uh, the informational section? Fine. Should I should I have you dig through all that? Sure. <laughs> I, can, I can also kind of recall what it's about, but I'll let Angie do the recalling. But anyway, I just I do have to say I love that you hate this. Oh, movie. we're <laughs> like gonna the, co- we're gonna get to that. Yeah, we have folks. We have a new segment <laughs> in this episode. That I came up with just for the fact that I have two people that both love and loathe this movie. So we're going to get to that shortly. But in the meantime, why don't you tell us a little sure. bit about What About Bob? So What About Bob is directed by Frank Oz, who we of course know from his portrayal and puppeteering of Yoda and multiple Muppets, including Fozzie, Grover, Animal, Miss Piggy, and many, many more. Too many to list, to be honest with you. But... He is also an accomplished director, again, for several Muppet-related projects, but also The Dark Crystal, Little Shop of Horror, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Bowfinger, The Stepford Wives, and Death at a Funeral, among others. It's also written by... Tom Shulman, whose writing you'll know from Dead Poet Society. This is not Dead Poet Society. Uh, <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. This is not Honey, I Shrunk the Kids either. Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, maybe in the same vein, sure. Uh, welcome to Mooseport and the upcoming. Getting closer now. What? What's up? Getting closer now. I, I, would, I would probably guess this movie is close to a welcome yeah, to Mooseport. Sure. And the upcoming Shrunk, the reboot of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise, being directed by my pal and yours, Joe Johnson. Great. Um, 
<laughs> For more on that, listen to our Rocketeer crossover episode from 90 Super Cinema, where we talk about my feelings on Joe Johnston. Um, <laughs> we talked quite a lot about Joe Johnston. We did, <laughs> really, quite a lot. Guy uh, got a little bit of yeah. airtime. <laughs> uh, the film stars Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus. Okay. It's Richard Dreyfus, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's Dreyfus. <laughs> blasphemy as well as, <laughs> as well as julie haggerty uh charlie cosmo and more i don't know who charlie cosmo is and more <laughs> he's he came up as one of the main characters so i thought i would i'd stick him great, in there <laughs> uh he's probably a friend of frank oz like yeah get this guy in the credits there you go <clears throat> All right, so this is where we, we uh, you know, because we have a guest, we're going to pitch it into your court here. What do you recall, Angie, about What About Bob? So I, I remember this movie really well. I think it has some pretty good memorable quotes. And I just, I just remember Bill Murray being hysterical and how they play off each other. Definitely seeing uh, the writer and the director's list. I can definitely understand why they made this movie. But I just think it's, hysterical and where it goes from the beginning to the end and I think it, take, I think it starts out in New York City and um, heading up to Lake Winnipesaukee um, and I remember being young being like what the hell is Lake Winnipesaukee but it is a very real place and um, and even just as a young kid understanding what he was going through and I, I actually said this to Pete before the podcast I think this is a very appropriate movie for us to be looking at in COVID times because I think we've all gotten a little neurotic <laughs> so, so from what i can remember is bill murray's character is is like a schizophrenic i think or something like that <laughs> well he's not a he's not schizophrenic he's just a, he's a total germaphobe and totally oh, neurotic like and in a, yeah he's not a schizophrenic like agoraphobic or something like that or something something weird like that but not, not that that's weird mm -hmm. but like something you know some sort of phobia of some sort but um his therapist did it did he die or went away? And and then no, he escaped being his therapist. So he because Bob basically did the same thing to his current therapist that he does to Richard Dreyfus, which was to drive him insane. Uh, and so the guy basically retires, quits being a therapist to get away from Bob. Uh, and so the movie starts out with Bob needing help. And his current therapist calls Richard Dreyfus and says, I'm referring a patient to you. Oh, okay. And it's Bob. And then do you remember the scene where he packs his box, the current therapist? And he goes, I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> no, I don't remember any of it. <laughs> well, I the best part is, so so I should step in and say, I, I'm pretty sure I actually haven't seen this movie, which is why I'm, I'm kind of like in this like pleasant spot between the two of you here. And what I'm laughing about in that situation is not the scene that I can't relate to, but Michael's reaction visibly on screen to that quote. <laughs> it's just like a cringe. <laughs> it's just one of those movies where I'm just like, I couldn't buy into it enough. Even as a kid, I didn't like it. And All right, well, we're going to get to that. So before we go into the how we feel on it, any other recollection of, of the movie and sort of I, where it ends I, I up? I know or? that Bob, somehow, he finds out where they're staying. He shows up at their house in this, like, vacation home on a lake. The whole family invites Bob in with open arms. 
no questions asked. It's just sort of like, yeah, it's normal to have your patient just show up at your house randomly and everyone's cool with it. And um, they don't think that he's crazy. And for some reason, the family seems like they're like falling in love with him. And all the while, like Dreyfus is going out of his mind trying to get away from this this guy. And I think Richard Dreyfus ends up in an insane asylum of something some sort, I think. He does. Yeah. So you have it. You have it pretty good. Yeah. He the sad one of the sad parts of what he does in the beginning is he calls like their answering service. And that's how he finds out where they are. And he even shows up like he gets over his fear, shows up to the answering service. The woman's name is Betty. And he's like, I need to know where he is because Bob killed himself. Um, So he lies about what happened. So, yeah, he gets up there and Julie Haggerty's his wife. And she's like, you need to be nice to him. And the whole thing. And this is one of the funny parts is Richard Dreyfuss's book is he's on like a book promotion and it's called Baby Steps. And Bill Murray's like obsessed with the book. Um, but yeah, he, you know, remember he's like on a good morning America and Bill Murray totally ruins the whole thing. And, and then there's the couple, the old couple on Lake Winnipegasaki who hate Richard Dreyfuss's character Mm -hmm. and they keep cutting to that couple in the book and they just despise him. But yeah, no, the kids are like in love with them. I also remember, I think when he's trying, when Bill Murray's trying to leave his apartment, like he's afraid to step outside the building. He does like a few, like half steps outside the door and all that. That's flashes of don't they go on a boat ride together they go like on the lake on a boat at some point and and and, yeah, and, teenage daughter, yeah. and richard Rogers wants to like murder him at some point like he wants to strangle him and throw him in the ocean or something like that something crazy like that that's what i got that's, that's what i remember and well that's pretty good i feel like you guys uh, have a really strong recollection about that this is so, a movie that i know like, pete is gonna like and i'm gonna rewatch it and i'm gonna hate it even more <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's see about that, right? So, so I was thinking about this because it's been building for months now <laughs> that you've hated. Like, I think like in the January episode, like you said, you hated this movie, and Anne said, "Oh, I love this movie. I'll be on that one." So, like in my head for months now has been this: like my wife and my best friend, and they have two very different ideas about this one movie that I either haven't seen or can't for the life of me remember. So it started me thinking about like the Siskel and Ebert sort of thing where the two of them have a vehement disagreement on a particular movie and they're going at each other and you're wrong and this and that. And it made me think of this new section that I'm calling hypercritical. Okay. Okay. So here's what we're going to do, all right? You two each have two minutes to convince me why you think this movie is awesome or garbage. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm going to give a ruling who I think has the stronger argument. And then when we do the uh, recall in two weeks, I'll let you know who I think ultimately had the correct point. What do you think? Fair. Okay. Angie, (laughs) you go first. All right. So convince me. Why is What About Bob this good? I think this movie is great because it's very funny. It has two really great leading characters, Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss, and they play off each other so well. Their chemistry is awesome. And it's 
I think it's very much in the vein of Ghostbusters and some of these early Bill Murray movies in terms of the sense of humor. And it's just goofy and funny. And you just, if you take it just for what it is and not so seriously, because it's, it's totally farcical, it would never happen, or I would hope it would never happen. And I think it's just a very fun movie. It's just Bill Murray at his best, not lost in translation, which I know. Uh, you know. <laughs> yes, we've talked about yes, that. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, not not that type of Bill Murray. But I think in any of Bill Murray's comedic roles, it's him just being goofy and sweet. And it just totally works. That's okay. my argument. Okay, Michael, what, okay. why is this movie hot garbage? <laughs> Everyone in this film is completely one dimensional. Bill Murray has just this one thing. He's a lunatic. Richard Dreyfuss plays every scene very, very big and just a lunatic. Uh, Julie Haggerty is just like this boring, flat character that I, is so disinteresting in this movie. It's horrible. Uh, it's so unbelievable that it's, it, t- it takes you out of the movie because it just, like Angie said, it would never happen in real life. So it is so unbelievable that it really disconnected me from the movie. I, I feel like Bill Murray comes off as he's trying way too hard to be whatever he's supposed to be. And Richard Dreyfuss, I honestly feel like he just is. It hurt my way. I looked at Richard Dreyfuss. Like I, I see him, you know, jaws and I see him in movies like, you know, close encounters and so on. And I'm like, this guy is larger than life to me. And I see this movie and I absolutely hate him in this movie. He's just, <laughs> he's just so in like, first of all, if a patient showed up at your house, that would never be allowed that he'd come stay with them. It would never happen. Never. <laughs> and, you know, it's it just, it's impossible. It's just baloney and i want to curse so bad because it's just really an awful movie and i just <laughs> utterly despise it it's because it's just, you can curse i'll beep it it's just bullshit <laughs> it's really bullshit. <laughs> and, 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 and unfortunately because i know your sense of humor you're gonna find this movie freaking hilarious and i'm gonna be sitting there for an hour and 43 minutes ready to stab my television screen (laughs) oh man wow all right so what i'm hearing if i can sum these two up is that on one side you've got a bill murray movie that's in the vein of like a ghostbuster that's some big shoes to fill do you feel it really hits that sort of zone Well, no, no. You know what it is? When you watch Ghostbuster, you're not sitting there chuckling and like, you know, cackling the whole time. Right. But there's scenes that are funny and charming. And you're just like, it's kind of one of those movies. And for the I don't think this is the greatest movie ever, but I'm super intrigued that he hates it so much. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, I mean, this is like so I mean, yeah, like you loathe this movie. Like, I mean, I think there's things on your list that you just reviewed. Lower down that it sounds like you might enjoy. Yeah, I mean, like this has been building. If if in nobody else's head, it's been building in my head for months. But the thing this is, is like you I made see a very good as, like point. in the two opposite corners of the of the boxing ring here. And I just think it's a. You you made one good really. You said one thing very particular that I want to point out. Bill Murray in Ghostbusters is charming. 
In this movie, he is just downright irritating. <laughs> I, I I need to really like screen cap some of like Michael's face at this point because he's genuinely mad. <laughs> you might, yeah, yeah. No, you definitely. The look are, of yeah. disgust on your face a minute ago was so priceless. No, but you know what's awesome here is you are turning into Richard Dreyfus in the movie. <laughs> end bill murray shows up and he opens the door and he literally just goes Blood! <laughs> <laughs> he can't even speak anymore so and unfortunately that interesting way is a really good counter argument because the movie was so effective against you that it's actually turning you into one of its characters it's basically made me this way for the remainder of my life after seeing it, it broke me it broke me psychologically it's, oh, oh man I'm gonna be so angry watching this. I'm gonna be literally hate watching this I'm just I'm just so glad that I'm not doing the notes for this because I'll just be writing mother mother that's all I'm gonna say I'm sorry that's gonna happen oh jeez alright well I think that was a very successful hypercritical so tune back in in two weeks to see where I ultimately land is it gonna be on Michael's side is this movie trash or is it going to be on Angie's side and it's kind of a better, okay, zonish movie in, in the Ghostbusters vein? Everybody knows uh, where, where you're, you're going to land. Get Everyone knows where you're going to land. Don't even try it. <laughs> I know you. I'm trying to go into this very neutral. It's, I mean, look, it's, look, you've heard me say that I love Bill Murray movies, but you've also heard me trash on Bill Murray movies. So it's entirely possible that I could go one way or the other with this. This we'll is see. no way. I, fair. This is no way a Caddyshack. You can't even hold it. It's totally different vein. Yeah. It's a totally different. But that's also an ensemble yeah. film, which is just you know has its own other thing. But let's yeah. take a moment and watch the trailer of this piece of dog <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's our preview review. Okay, we've got this trailer ready. We're going to count it down. Three, two, one. Touchstone. Just when Leo Marvin thought he was getting away from it all. As of this afternoon, I'm taking my family on vacation. I'm glad it's only 60 seconds. I don't want any of you letting Bob. This banjo music is already making this seem like it's just all zaniness. Would you like some more chicken, Bob? That kid's somebody. Is that the kid from yes. Hook? Yes. You know what just made me think? You know what this is more like? I Captain Ron. Oh, well, that's dangerous. That's actually a better comparison. That's dangerous, it's, it's Michael. Captain I'm a huge Ron. Captain Ron person. Yeah, that's actually a much better comparison. And Richard Dreyfuss. This man is crazy. It's funny, despite the fact that that kid is going to be in Hook like a couple months from now, he looks way younger here. Okay, so my first takeaway is like, yeah, their whole take on their own film is that it's just like zaniness because like they just have like this goofy like banjo riff, like ding, 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 ding. The banjo's so high that you can't even hear the dialogue though. 
Yeah, I had to like turn the whole thing right I'll, now. <laughs> I'll, I'll give the trailer credit because we've watched a lot of trailers where it essentially gives away the whole movie. This is only 61 seconds, but still, I hated all the, all of it. <laughs> Other than the first one when you see Touchstone come across the screen. There you go. <laughs> nice. So what I'm hearing is, is that when you bring me love actually in that bag, I need to send what about Bob back in the uh, in the uh, the uh, uh, bag with great. you. <laughs> great. That and Hook. I'm looking forward to Hook too. Not. Yeah. Oh. I hate I hate Hook. I hate Hook probably more than this. So. Oh man. I, <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I, I don't know how this one's gonna turn up. I'm gonna have to question our friendship when we get to December. It's gonna be. It's nine oh, hours. It's like a nine-hour kiss movie. We're going to have an end of the year. This is what we're going to do. I, we're, I'm pitching this already, and, and this is something that's usually behind the scenes, but I'm going to let it stay in the podcast. We're going to have like an end-of-the-year cliffhanger going into January. Will Michael and Pete still be friends in January? <laughs> Wait until the hook review to find out. <laughs> One hates it. One is it's like his favorite childhood movie. <laughs> it's gonna be ugly. God, it's horrible. It's another horrible. I can see another hypocritical coming up there again. Oh, good. Okay, <laughs> so to bring this uh, train wreck home, <laughs> um, if you'd like to chat with us, please don't forget to get in touch with us on all of our social medias at Box Office Thirty. Three zero on Facebook and Twitter, and Box Office Thirty T H I R T Y on Instagram. You could also check us out on our website, which is isn't it boxoffice Thirty dot com? Something, Something like that. that. And <laughs> we have our awesome T Public store. We've got some cool swag. You want to get a face mask? You want to get a T shirt? Get it all. We don't have everything, but we've got some really cool stuff up there on T Public. And you just look for us and buy some cool merch. It helps us support the show. It helps us find these crazy movies that we have to look for 30 years later but uh you know awesome to check it out and wear wear some cool swag when you're hanging out on the beach this summer watching movies home or the theater maybe who knows (laughs) i yeah you know i used to keep saying not this year but all of a sudden all of a sudden things are starting to look a little brighter that that black widow movie is gonna make some money this summer i'm telling you (laughs) Yeah, but now the question is, are you going to see that in theaters? Or are you going to do the the uh, Disney Plus $30? Or are you going to wait several months to try and see I'm it? I'm not spending $30 to watch a movie on my TV. I will, like, I look like this, right? Okay. I can wear a mask, go to the theater. I don't need to eat popcorn. I don't need to have a half a gallon of soda. I could sit there for two hours and watch a movie and be totally fine. I'm okay with it. Yes, but will your wife make you quarantine for two weeks before coming home? <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine a scenario where you get home and she's in rubber gloves waiting at the door and starts spritzing you down. With- <laughs> as long as I'm in the state, I should be okay. <laughs> so we'll see. But I'm looking forward to that. Oh. All right. What do you say? Do you want to do our um, our big movie I would quiz? love it. I would be so thrilled. All right. Well, because we have a guest again, I get to do the thing where I play you off each other, which I've been But she can enjoying. see the cards. She can see <laughs> the cards only if she gets I, to look at them. I can lean away. I can cover them in my hand. <laughs> I took my old lady glasses off, so I can't Okay, read. good. <laughs>
All right. So we've been giving our guests the choice, and and I, I could even probably take a guess where you might do really well on here. But we have for you to choose from: comedy classics, action movies, or Oscar winners. Why don't we go with the comedy classics? No kidding. Oscar I was you want me, I was gonna do Oscar. Okay, do Oscar. But I I was thinking the last podcast when I was listening, I was like, oh, I totally do Oscar winners. All right, do Oscar winners. The, the reason well, you I know say we so, do it. It was just the Oscars. Well, it was just the Oscars. The other reason I say so is that like one of the things I've known about you since I've known you, and look, this is this is so spanking new. This is the one that we have not done yet that it's still in the plastic. I gotta get out of the plastic. Is your whole thing. You know, you didn't even mention this when we were bringing up uh, in the beginning about like what's your involvement in movies. Your whole thing used to be that you wanted to win an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> well, my brother and I had um, dreams very early on of being the a writing brother and sister winning the best screenplay. Cool. I, that wasn't early. I, I would love to even go to the Oscars, let alone be nominated for anything. Oh, my God. What a dream. That would be amazing. So my question is, when are you when are you going to get on that? I barely have time to watch a movie. He's sitting here now. This is news to me that he's watched like 10 movies. <laughs> and, I've, and he has, oh, what have you seen? I've seen one movie. I, I, one thing I've learned during this pandemic movie. is asking myself, do I have time to shower today? <laughs> yeah, I know. And he's watching 10 movies. <laughs> I had a little bit of downtime this month. What can I say? All right, so these are shuffled up, totally randomized. We have not asked any of these questions before. We do this a little bit like a um, quick draw. We don't have a buzzer, but whoever can start answering first is uh, gets to go first, and we're going to do – we'll try best out of three, and if we have to go to five, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> okay, for which film did John Wayne win his only Academy Award? Oh. Shane? No, I don't even know if I've heard of it. No, it's only the eye patch. Uh, I don't know. I forget what it's called. I'm not a big John Wayne person. I think you're in the right zone there. Uh, I'll give you a clue. This movie was remade. Maybe. Oh, it's um, True Grit, isn't it? There you go. True All right, we're True we're Grim. up one oh. for Michael. True Grit, it is okay. How old was Tatum O'Neill when she won the Academy? Academy Award for Ten. Best Actress in a Supporting Role. She's young. Was she Ten? Ten it is, wow. yes. Ten, I thought it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is like Michael last episode, though, where he just started guessing <laughs> yeah. random numbers. I, 45, I 13, Anna, 10, 47. Well, you know, <laughs> I think Anna Paquin was 13 when she won. That might be Gotcha. Amazing. All right, so we're, we're all tied yeah. up at the moment here. Which Steven Spielberg film was nominated for 11 Academy Awards Schindler's but did List. not win any? Close Encounters. Not Schindler's List. Nope. Amistad? Nope. Did not win Best Picture? Did not win any awards. But it didn't was, win anything. That's why you gotta let the question come out. It was nominated for 11 Academy Awards, but did not win AI. Any. No, no, although I could see I could see that being somewhat the case. I, uh, I don't think that could have ever made it quite to 11. Um, Indiana uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? That's a Lucas film, I think. He directed it. I think so. Spielberg directed it, didn't he? Maybe. He's, yeah, I thought Spielberg. Um, you guys gonna have to dig know. deeper. Uh, Is it an older movie? Or? 
What what decade? Okay. What decade? The answer was the color purple. Wait, uh, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg um, didn't win for I that th- movie. Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. Find that. All right, so here's here's a good one uh, because again we are we are at one and one here, and if we're doing best out of three, this could be the the take the cake answer. In inches, how tall is the Oscar statue? Thirteen. Ooh, eleven. So All right, now remember last time we decided whoever got closest without going over was the winner. So we've mm-hmm. got a thirteen and we've got an eleven, and the winner is. Michael, it's 13 oh, and a half oh, inches. <laughs> okay. You, you finally pulled one out. <laughs> Very good, sir. <laughs> Fine. Oh, so that is our, our big movie quiz this week. A big thank you again to Jason and Mickey over at the Retro Network with supplying us with that uh, game and also with our home here on the Retro Network, who is celebrating its two year anniversary. So, Happy anniversary to the Retro Network. Wow, that's cool. And uh, Jason has me joining in a special like crossover event where we're doing a ma- like a March Madness bracket kind of thing, even though we're not in March, or May Madness, uh, of the best action TV shows. And that's coming up sometime soon. I'll let you know. I saw that earlier. Yeah, I, I keep wanting to get in on um, some of these uh, extracurricular uh, stuff that Jason keeps bringing up. And then funny enough, I, I just have not been able to make any of them work with timing, but they're a lot of fun. So um, definitely go check some of those out over on the Retro Network main site as well. All right. Well, that's going to pretty much do it for us for this week. Big thanks to our guest, Angie, who will be joining us for the review. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, thanks so much to you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Um, whether that's at the movie theater or not is to be determined. And hey, when, when the review comes out, it'll be Memorial Day weekend. So if you're driving somewhere to visit family members, pop us on. Listen to us for two hours in the review. It's kind of fun. It's good yeah. That's how you want to celebrate Memorial Day. <laughs> Listening to two idiots <laughs> talk about a shitty movie from 30 years ago. <laughs> Bye, friends. Great. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.